0: Their jerseys may not hang in the rafters in Staples Center, but they hang in our hearts. You're listening to the Forgotten Lakers Podcast.
1: I'm doing good. Thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it.
2: Uh, no problem. No problem. I appreciate you guys having me.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like I said over text, uh, I did an episode with Mo Evans a while back, and then um, he gave me your contact information as someone else who may potentially be interested. So. Yeah, the so I have a podcast it centers around former Los Angeles Lakers players uh talking about, you know, their history with basketball, their time in LA and what they're doing now. Done about 30 episodes so far. Uh, a few of your okay. team like Mo, um Smush Parker, Okay. Brian Cook. Yeah, I think those are the three guys that you would have played with that I've talked to from that 06-07 year. Right. Yeah, yeah. Good.
2: I- Good yeah. guys, man. Some good guys.
1: So, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, so, what's uh, what's keeping you busy these days?
2: Well, uh, my children. <laughs> I, have a, okay. I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, um, mm-hmm. so I've been extremely active with them. Um, but um, other than that, uh, I got out of college coaching um, two years ago, and so uh, the only thing I've really been doing is been trying to help the kids uh, around in, in the state of South Carolina and and the kids in uh in the city of Greenville as much as I can.
1: Oh, okay, so you're in South Carolina. I was wondering um, from your area code if you were in New Orleans because, uh, yeah, I lived in New Orleans for a while.
2: Okay, yeah. I coached at Tulane for three years. And so um, –
1: Oh, okay. You know, I went I, to Loyola.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. 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 Yeah, man. so,
1: yeah, very I'm, familiar with Tulane. I ate lunch there all the time.
2: <laughs> no question. No question. Right next door.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I worked for the uh, well, this was gosh, now ten years ago, twelve years ago. But um, I worked for the athletic office, so I used to always work those games, like the where you all would do the exhibition game versus Loyola every year.
2: Uh huh. To use your parking garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I know the head coach over there, Stacy. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah Stacy, the head coach at Loyola. My my youngest. My youngest brother is the head coach at Xavier.
1: Oh, cool! In New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, getting into your history with basketball, you know, what made you start playing, and uh, when did you realize that you probably had a future in the game?
2: I started playing at a young age. Uh, my parents allowed me to have an opportunity to uh, to play a lot of sports, not only just basketball, but I played football, uh, I played baseball, I actually played soccer as well. Um, you know, they they tried to make sure that I had an opportunity to explore uh, a lot of sports. And so, um, you know, I, I ended up gravitating toward football and basketball. Um, and uh, when it came to sports, going into my high school, going into my ninth grade year, the the, the school that I attended was a primary basketball institution and uh the football team wasn't as good and so uh you know it led me to <laughs> to fight to have an opportunity to uh to be a part of a you know a great basketball program at a at an institution
1: cool and um did you play with any other future nba guys at that time or against any um, guys
2: I mean I mean my family is a basketball family mm-hmm. um my, you know, my grandfather was, my grandfather was 6'6", six, six. and so, um, major, you know, a few, he had six children, and um, three of the six ended up being, you know, six. So my uncle was 6'6", six, six. my one uncle was 6'5", my mom's like 6'2".
0: Oh, wow.
2: So, um, and, but my grandfather and his siblings, You know, they all had um, children that were, they were tall. So, my whole family was really tall. Um, You know, so you know, we really concentrated on basketball. It was a, it was a family thing, and uh, you know, everybody played it. I mean, my my younger cousin is is Kevin Garnett. Um, So, oh, I I did read
1: that. Yeah, are y'all,
2: were
1: y'all close growing up?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we went to school together. We went to middle school together, and uh, when he first started playing at a competitive age of, you know, we were in middle school, you know, he was, you know, able to to come and play in the park uh, where my grandmother stayed. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I said before, but just being around our family, you know, I mean, his siblings, he has siblings. All of those, all of his brothers are. Are six four and above, so you know we just had a family with height and family that that gravitated toward basketball. So, I mean, basketball was just something that uh, enjoyed. I think I think me being short and having you know that complex of proving to people that I was more than capable. I think that's what what drove me pretty much to uh, to try to excel in basketball.
1: Mm. So coming out of college, uh, were you, I know you, you obviously ended up at North Carolina. You're a North Carolina legend, legend with all those teammates you got to play. Your name's still all over North Carolina record books. What other, Were you always considering North Carolina or were you considering other schools coming out of high school?
2: Well, um, actually, my story, uh, is is a story that a lot of people would probably think it was. Uh, a figment of imagination but um, when I when I left high school in South Carolina Greenwood South Carolina I didn't have any scholarship offers to go to college at all Mm. and so um, there was a gentleman that saw me play in a tournament the previous summer before my senior year in high school and um, at Davidson College Mm -hmm. and I, I played pretty good he saw me hit like two game winners and he walked up to me and he introduced himself and, you know, he had my name and, and where I attended high school. And, you know, the gentleman said, uh, you know, one day that he would come and see me. Um, he didn't know when, but he would come and see me. And he thought that I was a pretty good basketball player. He just didn't know at what level I could play. And, um, <clears throat> true, you know, true enough. Um, he ended up coming to my high school um, that year mm-hmm. and, um, Pulling me out of class and sitting me down in my coach's office and pulled my transcript and, you know, said that, uh, you know, told me that, I uh, you know, the, what I was doing at that time wasn't going to put me in a position to be a predictor to go to college at all. Mm-hmm. So um, he had been a former college coach at South Florida, University of Texas, you know, so he was familiar with, uh, you know, the requirements of being a division one athlete. And uh, you know, he told me the things I needed to do to put myself in a position to be a predictor. And um, and if I did those things, he would he would take me up to Fork Union Military Academy uh, mm. and see if I were, was good enough to have a chance, you know, to to make that team. And so, um, yeah.
1: These things he was telling you to do are they you know, like basketball related or academically or it was, what,
2: what... it was it was it was academic. It was more okay. academic. I mean, because, I mean, my high school basketball team was extremely talented. Uh, I think it was five of us that played Division One basketball. Um, um, one at Clemson, one at St. John's. One went to North Carolina A&T. There was another. So, you know, we had a talented squad. We won the state championship my junior year. They moved us up in in class my senior year. And uh, we lost in the state championship. And so... And, you know, we had a record of like 32-2. and And so, um, you know, I was blessed enough to play for a great coach and and some great teammates. Um, And so, you know, even as a junior, I didn't start on my high school basketball team. (laughs) So, you know, so so I wasn't one of those guys that was highly recruited or I wasn't even All-State in the state of South Carolina when I left South Carolina. I wasn't even All-State. So uh, for me, um, you know my blessing came going to Fort Union Military Academy and playing for Fletcher Har and um just doing a lot of praying to have an opportunity to have a scholarship to go to college and you know within the matter of a few months, a month or two to being in Fort Union, I went from a kid that had no scholarship offers to a kid that could possibly go to any institution he really wanted to go to in the United States,
1: so how did it- coming out of that process, going from zero scholarship offers to, you know, getting basically your, you know, your choice, whatever you wanted to do, how'd you settle on North Carolina?
2: Um, well, I mean, <laughs> I guess it came down to like similar to a process of elimination. Dean Smith came to see me. Uh, he and Rick Patino came to see me the same day. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, North Carolina was number one in the country at that time, and Kentucky was number two. Mm. Uh, At that point, though, at that time, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know, you know, my coach told me that Coach Smith wanted to talk to me after our practice. I didn't know who Dean Smith was. I had no idea Mm. who he was, and uh, he told me that Patino wanted to talk to me. But, and I knew who Patino was because I'm originally from New York. So, uh, oh yeah. You know, so I, you know, I had some familiarity with Patino. Um, So um, after practice, you know, Dean, Coach Smith offered me a scholarship on the spot. And after I met with him, Patino offered me a scholarship on the spot. Um, But at that time, I was pretty much locked in. You know, I I really wanted to go to the, you know, I grew up a Clemson fan. and Clemson Mm -hmm. never recruited me. When I was in South Carolina, and neither did the University of South Carolina, but there was a coaching change at the University of South Carolina. Eddie Fogler had gotten the job, and uh Eddie Fogler had been recruiting me at Fort Union and uh so you know I was you know a kid that never had anything, and you find the first person that really really wants you um you know you 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 know you hold that in high regard. Mm -hmm. So regardless of the offers I got from North Carolina and Kentucky and California and Miami and and all those, you know, I really held the University of South Carolina offer in high regard because of, you know, just somebody that really believed in me. And so, um, you know, when I went on my visit to the University of South Carolina, I I had two older brothers that attended the University of South Carolina at that time. And so for me, it was about uh, being in a, a familiar environment, uh, getting an education, and putting myself in a position that I, I could uh, I could work on Wall Street. <laughs> That's what I wanted oh. to do. Oh, really? That was my dream. Yeah, that was my dream. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my visit to the University of South Carolina, I actually committed. I committed to the University of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um you know, unbeknownst to my mom and unbeknownst to me as well. I didn't know my mom didn't want me to go there. Um uh, so why did she not <laughs> want you to go there? I don't know. I I, oh, yeah. I don't know if it was, you know, my older brothers were there. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, I don't know if that would have been an issue, but I think that she knew that uh because her and the gentleman the gentleman that, that came to see me my day he he became he became real a real close confidant, you know. To this day, he's like my godfather. So, I mean, um, so you know, he had a, a lot of dialogue with my mother about, you know, basketball and these institutions that were recruiting me and and the opportunities that could come with attending those institutions. Mm-hmm. And so, I think my mom was, you know, my mom was kind of infatuated with with the possibility of, you know, playing at the University of Kentucky and or the University of North Carolina for Dean Smith. Who you know was a, a sh- extremely powerful figure in the game of basketball at the time, so you know a young a young man like me that didn't even didn't even know who Dean Smith was yeah. just when he came in <laughs> there's no way in the world I could understand you know the the benefits of attending uh the University of North carolina um you know beyond basketball so mhm so um. <clears throat> So, um, you know, my – Coach Fogler and I continued to have conversations. Um, And my mom was, like I said, displeased about me, you know, committing to South Carolina. And uh, so Coach Fogler and I were having a conversation. He came up to Fork Union one day, and we were having a conversation. And I did not know Coach Fogler had played at the University of North Carolina for Dean Smith. And so uh, Coach Fogler told me, You know, he says, Shimon, uh, you know, it's difficult for me to do this, um, but, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to play for the best, and I think that you should as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And I
2: was like, what are you talking about? And, (laughs) you know, he was saying, you know, I think you need to go to the University of North Carolina and play for Dean Smith. Uh, I think that's the best thing for you and your career, and so on and so forth. So in my head at that time, I thought, you know, hey, my mom must have got him, And so uh, so I told him, I said, okay, so if you don't want me to come to South Carolina, no problem, um, I'm going to go to Kentucky. <laughs> you know, <he> was <laughs> like, whoa. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to Kentucky. And so, <laughs> you know, because I felt like, um, you know, nobody was honoring what I wanted and what was best for me at that point. And so, you know, I didn't know what the situation was with Coach Fogler and my mom and server but you know here it is he you know he's telling me to go to North Carolina so that meant you know you really in my head oh you he really don't want me and so you know the best you know what's the best way to get retribution you know yeah. make sure I get an opportunity to play against you oh and there so, you go uh, yeah so you know and so um, you know I reached out to Kentucky <laughs> I told him look I'm gonna, come, I'm gonna come to Midnight Madness and uh And, uh, don't wanted me to commit immediately. And, um, you know, I just wasn't willing to do that uh, without visiting the institution. And so they were recruiting myself and Alan Edwards. And so I think Alan Edwards committed um, without taking a visit. Um, And, you know, they still called me and asked me would I be interested in coming. But I was like, no. So really at that point, I was kind of left with North Carolina. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) At that point, you know, I took my visit, and uh, and you know, it just shows you how, you know, I, uh, unknowing of things I was, I didn't really know. Like Jeff McGinnis and I were were friends. We had competed against each other in AAU for you know for a while, and uh, he being in Charlotte and me being in Greenville, and so you know, I'm really not even understanding that North Carolina was the institution that he had gone to. You know, he stack and mm-hmm. she. I, I didn't. You know, I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I went on my visit, I saw. You know, I saw Jerry and Shea, and you know, I had played against those guys many times, and so kind of made the environment okay. And uh, sure. And uh, you know, and Coach Smith. You know, Coach Smith was really. You know, I I didn't know much of him, more much about him at the time, but when I really took my visit. During midnight madness and the first practice, and saw how he handled things and how he handled people, and you know it was just something about it that you could you could trust, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it kind of made it easy. So I think I, I ended up committing to North Carolina.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, appreciate you going into all that. Just curious how guys <laughs> like yourself end up at these big schools. <laughs> um, it's always neat yeah, to hear uh, like rec- recruitment stories and you know what went yeah. into their decisions.
2: Yeah, well, I wasn't one of those, you know, top tier guys. You know, I mm-hmm. had to, I had to, uh, to work to, you know, to get the respect and everything that I was was able to achieve. You know, within mm-hmm. the game, for sure.
1: Well, before I get into, uh, you know, your year in LA, um, okay. I just wanted to go through some of your, you know, other stops. I know you had a, you know, brief rookie year with the Hawks before you went overseas for a little bit, you come back and, um, you know, kind of establish yourself as an NBA player in Seattle. So uh, mm-hmm. is that the team that you like feel the most allegiance to at right now? I mean, you know, being removed um, from the game, do you like, or does that, I don't even know if you have I mean, an allegiance to any teams, but just given that you spent three years there, I was curious.
2: I mean, Seattle was a, it was a great, it was a great opportunity and a great place. I mean, I really, I really enjoyed Seattle, off the court for sure. I mean, it's an outstanding city. Uh, the people were great, and uh, at the time, I mean, I mean, you know, Coach Westfall really helped develop and allowed the world to get an opportunity to see, you know, what Shaman Williams was really capable of on uh, on a professional level. I mean he I mean you know he just you know, he just uh instilled a lot of confidence in me uh, mm-hmm. allowed me to to do the things that I was capable of and and uh he knew that I worked hard as well so I think it was important for him to reward somebody that he knew that was working hard mhm and so um you know uh when I went there and I played summer league and, you know, I was able to have a great summer league in L.A. and, and Boston and, and those types of things. And, you know, you know, you know, get those accolades, of being the best player and stuff like that. You know, you know, there was some potential, I guess, you know. And so mm-hmm. uh, once my opportunity, once I had an opportunity to actually get out on the floor, um, you know, there was actually really no turning back. Uh, other than, you know, the things that I could control as a player. You know, there's some things you can't control when you, you know, in some environments, but as much as getting on the floor and doing the things that you need to do and all those types of things, uh, Westfall was really, was really influential in, in my growth as a professional.
1: Um, some of the teammates you got to play with, did you grow up being a fan of those guys? I mean, you got to going into the Seattle, like two big names you got to play with, Gary Payton, Patrick Ewing. Well, Growing up, yeah, I mean, I, given that you're from New York, was that a big deal for yeah. you playing with Ewing?
2: Well, I, I'll tell you, my my rookie year, you know, I was really blessed. You know, I had uh, Steve Smith, Mookie Blaylock, mm-hmm. I had Kimbe Matambo. Oh yeah, uh, in Atlanta see, I I had some really great veterans in Atlanta and mm-hmm. uh and you know I really learned a lot from those guys um and uh you know it was really outstanding just to be in their presence and just pick their brains every day. Um mm. uh, you know so I I really took that to heart. Um and uh, you know I even now when I see those guys you know we may have dinner or something like that I just make sure I always tell them thank you because uh you know the, the information that was given the you know the examples that they 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 were I mean for for a young man like myself getting started in that profession it's always it's always great to have leaders and people that you can follow that you can that you, know, you can you can learn from and emulate to hopefully put you in a position that, if you're not there, to help you understand how to be a professional. So, you know, those three I, I I most definitely cannot overlook. Um, when I got to Seattle, when I got to Seattle, it was interesting because, you know, you hear of Gary Payton, but you know, I hadn't met him. But you know, like I said, I had I had been having a great summer league, and I remember the first time I met Gary. You know, we were playing, and we were playing. And I think it was probably late August. We were playing, mm-hmm. and uh we were in the gym playing. And Gary hadn't been there, and so you know, he walks in the gym. and He sits down on the side. So you know, you know, we playing. You know, I'm going. You know, we just playing, and, and he he says, you know, hey man. Nobody knows who he's talking to. He can't be talking to <laughs> me, you know. Yeah. Hey, hey, you, you know. And I said, "Who me?" He's like, yeah. You know, like, I've been hearing, I've been hearing a lot about you. <laughs> it's like, yeah. He was like, yeah, I came in just to watch you.
0: Oh, cool.
2: So, yeah, you know. So it was interesting, you <laughs> know. And so I was like, uh, uh, you know, I didn't know how to take it, you know. But you know, Gary was really. You know he was cool in that aspect because I think like he you know I think that night we ended up going ended up going out to dinner and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you know Gary was Gary was a you know a consummate competitor. You know, mm-hmm. and um and so it was it was good. You know, it was good to have that around. Uh Vin, Vin was just Vin was Vin was like probably the best teammate I've ever had yeah like and I mean, like you know he's like like the big brother, you know what I mean, like even now, you know I call him big brother, I mean he was just you know just a great individual man, I mean, you know when you talk about just you know a personality and a person like he's second to none, I mean, you know, then opened his house up to you know to guys he he was always in you know you know he was. Intricate in, in making sure as rookies or you know first year players we understood you know how to handle ourselves and like he would cook every night so you know <laughs> me you know me Rashard Lewis you know all of us had come out in the same draft yeah Lonnie McCoy you know we were all you know we really had a great core guys we were all were second round picks and here it is like we were I think I think at one time. Seattle had, I think Rashard was 31, uh, Jelani might have been 30, 32, Ruben was 33, and I was 34, so yeah, uh, I think four guys in consecutive picks, if I'm not mistaken, wow. so we were all together, and, uh, you know, but, you know, Vin used to open his house up to us, and on the road, you know, just, you know, restaurants oh, yeah. to go to and all those types of things, man. You know, stuff that's priceless when you're unknowing, mm-hmm. you know. and, and Yeah, you're and, right. I just so, looked
1: it up. Uh, Ruben, Rashard, Jelani, Jelani, and then you were 31 through 34 in the 98 draft. Wow, that's a good memory.
2: Yep, yep, yep. And so, you know, we really had a nice little core guys there together. And, mm-hmm. you know, we used to, you know, especially in practice, man, when we get together, we would really – you know we were really you know give those guys hell you know and uh, so you know it was it was really you know it was really good for us cuz we were growing and we were you know we were like a a group and then you know you had those vets right there that were that were successful and you know we were competing against them and and so you know it, it just you know it was a great environment but then made it extremely awesome and then when we made the trade the following year Get Patrick, man! It was like, wow, <laughs> like you know, for me, man, you know, I was like a kid in the candy store, right there, I bet.
1: <laughs> playing with your you like know, one of your heroes. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, like we had him, we had Horace, like Horace Grant. Like I grew up watching Horace because I'm, you know, I was raised in South Carolina, and so mm-hmm. you know, Clemson was the school that I wanted to go to. It was close, and so I grew up like you know, you know, Horace was, you know, the guy. I knew who Horace Grant was, but I didn't know who Dean Smith was. You oh, yeah. I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I knew Horace Grant from Clemson, not anything else, not the NBA or nothing, but just from Clemson. So, I mean, a lot of guys will tell you I used to call Horace Mr. Horace. Mr. Oh, yeah. Horace, you know, Mr. Horace. Uh-huh. You know? And uh, so it was really great for me because there you are again, you have another consummate professional and pro right there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just the way that these gentlemen handled themselves, it it really made me, you know, hold myself to a high standard and carry myself a certain way. Not saying that I, I wouldn't, but just to be in those guys' presence, it was just a certain way that you had to carry yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So um so having him and then having Pat man like like, you know, my best game my, my coming out party I actually was against the New York Knicks. Oh yeah. In nineteen ninety nine in the garden that was my first time playing in the garden and uh Gary Payton got kicked out of the game early and uh when he got kicked out of the game uh coach Westfall called my name early and, and I ended up you know I ended up putting on a show in there and from there I wasn't looking back so oh you know, hat, I, yeah hat- I've
1: got it right here you had 22 points that night uh that kind of yeah. kicked up looks like that kicked off a good little stretch for you Um yeah yeah, yeah, twenty two, eighteen, sixteen. 22, 18, 16, a couple games later, 13, hitting a lot of threes, shooting good percentages.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it allowed people to see what I was capable of doing on a, on a stage. I mean, even though I had done it in college, you know, you just mm-hmm. hadn't had the opportunity. And uh, a lot of times, it's, that's really what it's about, having an opportunity to do it. And so mm-hmm. on that stage, you know, I was able to play, you know, I was able to, do things that I was capable of doing and, and worked on and after that, you know, it was kinda like, you know, I had to play. Mm. But um but you know, having Pat there was, was awesome. Him and David Wingate, man. Just you know, guys that you watched and, you know, like I said, had an infinity for and and then they were pros. And so, you know, even to this day, man, you know, I I make sure that I you know, I just talked, you know, I just texted Pat last night. <laughs> oh, really? Them, uh, yeah, he had a big win against uh, Illinois on the oh, road yeah, he's coaching with the young guys last night. So, you know, we texted a little bit and, uh, last night. So, you know, I, I try to, I try to stay, stay in contact with these, you know, with the, those guys, and, and I always let them know, you know, that I was extremely appreciative of uh, the things that they poured into me as a, you know, as a, as a, as a young NBA player. Hmm.
1: Um. Yeah, then you had stops. You know, a lot of other stops before you got to the Lakers: Boston, Denver, Orlando, Short yeah. stint with New Orleans, um, yeah. and then the, the two years prior to got to, got to Los Angeles. You were playing in Russia and Spain. So, was it right. difficult to stay on the NBA radar to get back to when you got back with the Lakers, or how did you navigate no. playing in overseas and then getting back to uh, getting back with the Lakers?
2: Actually, it was just a choice. Oh, um, really? yeah I, oh, cool um, i had played i got traded to new orleans and um and um uh, you know we had a chance we got to the playoffs we had a chance to uh we had a chance to uh do some things special we had a really good team in new orleans we did mm-hmm. it was the last year that we were in the east that we we're going to be in the eastern conference and uh we really had to I mean, Played the really Heat, i think right yeah, we lost to the Heat in the first round, but yeah. in all actuality they should have never gotten to that. And mm-hmm. if you look at if you look at the, if you go back and look at what happened right there at the end of the season, like the last five games, four to five games, I mean you'll see where like we had a bunch of injuries on our team mm-hmm. but and we were on the road, but you know, like we went and won those games on the road. Mm-hmm. And um and, you know, we were really – and that was without Mash Byrne. That was without Baron Davis. Uh, David, you know, uh, Darrell Armstrong was hurt as well. And mm-hmm. we, were just, we were just going, you know, we went and won in Milwaukee. We won in Indiana. Um, we won somewhere else on the road. And so mm-hmm. only thing we had to do really at that time was to win our last home game against New York, who was in cellar at that time. Mm. and uh you know we had some guys coming back from injury right before the playoffs and and you know if you look at that that game in the first half we were up by 20 and uh we were up by 20. Oh yeah uh,
1: it looks like he blew it in the fourth.
2: Yeah we were up by 20 and I think I think at halftime I had a double double at the Mm. time but and so you know we we you know uh, some decisions were made and Unfortunately, we ended up losing that game, and it put us it put us in fifth instead of fourth against Miami.
1: Oh man, so you lost
2: home court. Yep, lost home court, and so you know throughout the whole playoffs, you know even though I had played well throughout the whole playoffs. I hadn't I hadn't <laughs> I hadn't even gotten an opportunity to play mm-hmm. uh, myself nor Steve Smith. Neither one of us had gotten a play chance to play. And uh, in Game Seven in Miami, uh, Tim Floyd. It's funny because when I, when I see Tim, I coached against him in college. He always says, "You got me fired," and I always oh, tell yeah. him, "No, I didn't get you fired. <laughs> you, you chose. You chose to put me in." But uh-huh. um, throughout all the games I never played, so Game Seven, we're in Miami. Barron's hurt. Darren Armstrong was kind of hurt. And so, but he started Steve Smith that game. Steve Smith hadn't played any minutes mm-hmm. in the six games prior. I
1: remember game watching set, this game. Steve Smith was on fire that game.
2: On fire. Yeah. <laughs> and here I remember watching he hadn't that played, <laughs> He hadn't played yeah. not one minute before. So, you know, Miami was up on us probably like 15 if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken, 15 in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. And like a minute into the fourth quarter, like Baron Davis and Tim were arguing, and Baron was hurt. He couldn't go no more. So Baron was telling, Tim, put your mind in the game. (laughs) And so so there I was sitting down there, and I was just (laughs) – I had my feet up, actually. I was just sitting down there with my feet up. My feet out, I'm sorry, feet out. And he was like, Shimon, come on, we (laughs) – Come on, we need you. So, to make a long story short. If you look at, if you look at that game, with two with two minutes left to go in that game, we cut the lead to one mm-hmm. in like six or seven minutes when I got in the game. And so, um, you know, after that game, we ended up losing right there at the end. Mm-hmm. But after that game. I had a real bad taste in my mouth about the political aspect of the NBA, mm. and um, and uh, it was like no matter what you did, no matter what you were capable of, because of the business and whatever goes on inside, you know you you know it's tough for you to get your due, and so for me. For me, I love the game of basketball. And so mm-hmm. it was like, look, man, you know, why I keep subjecting yourself to this type of stuff if there's an opportunity for you to go and play and and enjoy yourself. And so that summer that summer that summer I was in Italy, uh, playing with the Georgia national team. Mm-hmm. Uh with some guys that I played with in Seattle that asked me to be a naturalized citizen. And we were playing in uh that was the first we beat russia and so mm-hmm. when we beat russia you know I, you know a lot of the guys on the team and you know everybody was crying and celebrating and you know I didn't understand the magnitude of it but you know uh, you know once I began understanding and becoming more familiar with europe and uh, and and asia and things like that I began to understand that you know georgia was part of the ussr and once the ussr broke up you know, Georgia got its independence from Russia and uh they became their own country and so on and so forth and, and so when you you know when you're able to beat them in basketball it's it's a big thing for their country. Mm-hmm. So I understood what was you know, now, you know, I began to understand and and the, one of the coaches from that Russian national team, you know, just you know, he came to me and began talking to me in the hotel and asked me would I be interested in playing in Europe. And I was like really I was like no. <laughs> but, you know, the more he talked to me about it and and
0: you know
2: you know, he called my agent, I had a conversation with my agent and, you know, what the you know, what they you know, what they positioned at the time was enough that my agent took the next flight from California to to Italy. <laughs> uh-huh. And so you know, we left Italy and went to went to uh, Russia, and I went to see the city, and you know, see the gym, and met with the owner, and you know, you know, like you know, like you know, like you know, like I said before, it's always great when you feel like somebody appreciates you. Sure. And, and so, that's how I ended up going to Russia.
1: Cool. No, that's a. Uh... That's a good story. I mean, um, a lot of, I've talked to you, like I said, about 30 other, so former Lakers, a lot of guys who maybe have bounced back and forth between the league and Europe and doesn't sound like it's always their choice, but it's a uh, cool that you found a situation that was going to work well for you at that time.
2: Oh yeah. 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 It was great. I mean, and I really enjoyed, you know, it was one of the best decisions I made because it, it, it opened my mind up to a whole different world and uh, not just from a, from the athletic perspective but from from a social perspective and culture perspective and uh you know living in russia for a year and you know traveling and going to siberia and seeing it and and then you know going to moscow every weekend and living in kazan which is the only place in russia that has orthodox christians and muslims and they live together in that environment and uh you know, in the touch Star Republic. I mean, it was it was awesome. Um, I even began to speak some of the language, and you know, you really embraced it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You learned about the struggle. You saw the struggle that those individuals went through, and and so you know, I had a great season. Um, you know, you know, I had an outstanding season. Enjoyed myself, and um, you know, did you know, had a lot of accolades and things like that, and and then you know, so I was actually coming back to the NBA. And then uh, I got a call from Maccabi, Maccabi, Tel Aviv. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they were interested in me. But, I, I you know, Israel, you know, that was interesting. You know, you heard a lot about Israel, mm-hmm. um, Maccabi. And so, you know, that was kind of tempting. And then I got a call from Barcelona. And mm-hmm. um, somebody I said, I got a call. I told, I don't know who I was speaking with, but I, whoever I was speaking with, I said, I got a call from Barcelona and they asked me, and would i be interested in coming to play and they, they really you know hold me high regard want me to come and play and the individual who i was speaking with said Boston's the best city in the world oh. <laughs> so when, he, when that when they said it, i said really said, yeah best city in the world so i said hey you know what why not <laughs> yeah let's go <laughs> so, yeah so uh you know got the contract and stuff like that done went and visited liked it it was nice totally different than Russia. Um, And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed Barcelona. It was great. I mean, we had a great season. Uh, We went to the European final four, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and we did some great things uh, for Barcelona, the team that had been, you know, had been fluttering uh, the previous, you know, years before I got there. Uh, But, you know, played with some great players, you know, Juan Carlos Navarro, oh yeah, John Luca, John Luca Basili, Uh was awesome. Uh, Dennis Maconato, uh Nicky Kakuzis, and uh, you know, I uh, I felt like if they would have played this one individual, you know, he's like my he's like my little guy, but I I just I, at the time he was like eighteen, nineteen, but he was really good and I really liked him. He was overweight, but. I thought he was really talented, and we got into the final four, and we were getting beat up on the boards. And I said, I told our coach, I said, "Man, put this guy in, man. If you put him in, we can win this whole thing."
1: Is it Marcus All?
2: Marcus All.
1: Oh yeah, cool.
2: <laughs> Marcus All.
1: When she I know, yeah. he, like back then he was a little bigger. So when she said overweight, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if it's Marcus <laughs> All. Yep,
2: and that was my guy, man. That that was my guy. And uh, you know, I kept telling people, I said, Man, this kid is really, really good, man, he's really, really good. And uh, you know, he was just talented. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, they just they can't get beyond themselves to do what's needed to be done for that for that individual game or those games. And Mark would have Mark would have there's no doubt in my mind, had Mark played in those games, we would have won we would have won the the European championship. Cause you know he just he was just what we needed at that time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so you know, but I enjoyed it. And you know, once you know, once playing at a high level in Europe and having a great year, I had an opportunity to to go to a lot of a uh, a lot of a uh, you know franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had gotten hurt right at the end of the season. I had tore my pelvis. Oh. I had broke my, I had broke my pelvis. And, um, there was a gentleman by the name of Alex McKechnie. Um, and, you know, he's like the guru of, uh, he, he did the Reebok board and he's the band guy. You see all these people using bands and things like that. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that, he's the guy that, that, um, started that. And, um, you know, so I went and worked with him that summer in Vancouver to get healthy. And, um, you know, it was really helping me. But during the year, it was only one team that he could work with that he was exclusively signed for, signed to, to work with. That was the Los Angeles Lakers.
1: Oh, that's what I you were gonna say.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Los Angeles Lakers. So, mm. um, you know, so, you know, having an opportunity to be able to work with him every day was a benefit. Um, you know, they needed they needed some strong guard play Mm um and so um you know and financially it made sense um and uh so you know it was like hey you know what this would be a good decision to go down here and play in la you know i used to love competing against them because you know really when i was in seattle we used to have some great battles yeah some great battles and uh and Kobe and I used to like go at it a lot, you know? <laughs> and uh so, you know, it was you know, it was it was quite interesting. And uh and so it was like, Hey, you know what? Let's go to LA and uh, you know, previously I had played in Boston, so for one one uh you know, one of the you know, one of the presumed best franchises in the mm-hmm. NBA. So you uh, get to go to another one, know, I, yeah. Now I get to go to another one and so you know, being in L.A. Was, was awesome. Making that decision to go to L.A. was, you know, it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was interesting for sure. Was um,
1: interesting. What are some of your more interesting memories from L.A.? It was kind of like, you know, um, a unique year. So the year before was Phil Jackson's first year back after a one-year hiatus. And I think they had won, I want to say, like 45 games or something like that. And lost in the mm-hmm. first round to Phoenix, and then uh, your year in LA started out pretty well, um, you know, out of the gate, uh, came out, you know, doing well. And then second half of the year, they really kind of teetered off and just barely made the playoffs. I remember, like, in the last week or two of the season, you were still trying to clinch that la- clinch that last spot. Um, but uh, what are your some of your memories from that year in LA?
2: Well, I mean, uh, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> having the opportunity to play for some great coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my high school coach was, you know, an outstanding coach. My prep school coach was one of the best that would do it. And then playing for Dean Smith, you know, was was, was awesome. And and then uh, I played for West Ball, mm-hmm. uh outstanding coach. Um, and then uh, I played for Doc Rivers. Um, so you know that was great and then when i went to europe i played for you know i played for um you know my coach in europe was you know he's presumably the the toughest the toughest uh coach you know serbian coach ever mm-hmm. um you know a, a lot of pros played for him. Uh, um um a lot of those argentinian guys played for him mhm um uh, um, am losing his name right now. Uh, wow. Uh, Dusko Ivanovic.
0: Mm-hmm. His
2: name is Dusko Ivanovic. He's the toughest. They'll tell you the toughest. Anytime you hear about Serbian coaches, to talking about working you to death and all those types of things, he's the guy that they're referring to. Okay. <laughs> Trust me. He's the guy that they're referring to. So, but he's a great coach, outstanding coach. Mm-hmm. That he is, outstanding coach. And so, you know, going to play for Phil Jackson, it was like, okay, you know, here it is, you know, the, you know, the Zen guy, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you wanted to, you really wanted to see, you know, you know, how he did his thing, and what could you pull from him, and and so on and so forth, and and so, <laughs> you know, Phil was, you know, Phil was different. Uh, a lot of. Psychological things he did, um, you know. I just remember a lot of things that he would reference, and uh, you know, in college, you know, I I studied psychology as well. I probably was three classes away from getting a psychology minor. And so a lot of things that you I would hear him saying, or the things that I, you know, just watching, you know, I, I would, you know, I would kind of reference back to the things I had learned in college and uh and studied and things like that and so um you know I thought he was I thought he was an interesting in, in, uh, individual um I was really I was really really impressed with Tex Winners. I was
1: Oh uh, yeah he just recently passed
2: Yeah he just recently passed he did yeah but I was extremely impressed with him and mm. his dialogue uh his approach the game, um, you know, his mind for the game. I mean the triangle is his offense. And so, you know, I I, I would find it ironic to see he and, and Phil arguing arguing and then, you know, he would say, you know, Phil would say, Well, this is my team and and, and Tex would say, But it's my offense
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know
2: what I mean? And then, you know, Tex would disappear for like two weeks. You know, they get you know, if he got mad or something he would just leave but i really i really enjoyed like talking with him because you know he he's a bright mind and you know he he understood how important it was to do things the right way all the time and um you know individuals like my you know individuals like myself you know that was that was extremely important um and then i was you know I was really trying to learn how to excel in his office as well mhm and so um, it was good uh Brian Shaw was really awesome, man. Like, you know, I played against B. Shaw um but didn't you know, didn't have a relationship with him, but once uh was being coached by him, he was I mean, he was outstanding. I mean he was truly, truly, truly outstanding. And um you know, he you know, he you know, he, he just he had the delivery. You know, he knew what to say. He knew how to say it. Um, you know, he knew what buttons to push. You know, he just, he, you know, I'm surprised that he's not a head coach again. He hadn't gotten an opportunity to be a head coach again. Oh, yeah. Um, since he's, he's, he he, you know, he can get pros to follow him. You know, uh, you know these young kids. Are, you know these new pros are a little different, but a real pro will follow him and respect the things that he's saying, mm. and, uh, and understand that he he, you know, he's going to put you in the best position to succeed and win. So you know that you know that was awesome, and um, you know my teammates were great. We had we had a great group of guys. Yeah, <laughs> Lamar. <laughs> Lamar, I mean, Cookie, uh, Cook, mm-hmm. Mog, I mean, Smush, yeah, uh, yeah, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny. My, uh, I was going to ask you one Laker trivia question, and it was going to be to name the 14 guys you played with in L.A. that year.
2: Okay. So I guess uh,
1: there's uh, 14 including you, so I'm looking for 13 names.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, Jordan Smush, uh, Vladimir, mm-hmm. Sasha, mm-hmm. Brian Cook, uh, Aaron McKee. Mm-hmm. Um, had to do. He didn't play. He was hurt though. Um. um Andrew Bonham, Wahmi mm-hmm. Brown, four more. Um, Lamar Odom, three more. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, Mo Mo Evans. Yes. Um, I'm
1: I'm sorry. Now there's three more.
2: Now there's three more.
1: Yeah, I had um
2: I think I, I had marked Moe. one.
1: Yep, I got three more.
2: Tell me the names I've called out.
1: You've said Kwame Brown, Andrew Bynum, Brian Cook, Mo Evans, Jordan Farmar, Aaron McKee, Lamar Odom, Smush Parker, Vladimir Radmanovich, uh Sasha Vujicic and yourself.
2: Okay. Three, three more, three more. I said Smush.
1: You said Smush, yeah.
2: I did say Smush. Oh, what's that dude' name, man? Uh, he was hurt. Did he actually? You talking about guys that actually played, or like? Yeah,
1: actually played ago? all. Yeah, all these guys played in at least one game for the Lakers that year. Um,
2: Luke got Luke y- Walton. I forgot. Yep,
1: Luke. Luke. <laughs> Luke uh, you you probably think you've already said one, but I don't think you did. um
2: I said Brian Cook.
1: Yeah, you said Brian Cook. I don't think you've said.
2: Uh, well, I ain't probably, said Kobe
1: yet. Yeah. I mean, okay. Is that you were saving that one?
2: Yeah, i was gonna say that last.
1: Okay, yeah, so you've done, there's Kobe, and then there's one more. He uh, Would you like a hint? I
2: think a hint. That's fine. A hint, I
1: guess. He went to Gonzaga.
2: He went to Gonzaga. Oh, Ronnie Terioff. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie off. I was thinking of uh, – there was another guy that was on the team. He was hurt, though. Uh, used to shoot jump shots big guy I think he went to Illinois no uh, well Brian Cook went to Illinois He said him no um, not Brian Cook might have big guy
1: was he a guy just on there in the preseason or he was there the whole year
2: he was there the whole year but he was hurt the whole year he uh big guy about 6'10 white guy he, he shot the. But he, he oh shoot. oh
1: he went to Texas Chris Mims. Texas Chris Mim. Yeah, but he didn't play a single game that year. That's why he's not on the roster. Right. Yeah,
2: Chris Mim. That's who was fogging up my. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But how did how did I do? You got them all. Yep. yeah, Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, that was a you know, and uh, and I'm gonna tell you this: one of the thing I do I really liked. Um. Mr. Bus, man. Mm. Mr. Bus. Outstanding. And Yeah, a lot of a the lot guys I talked to have said that. Yeah, man. A lot of times, you know, you just you know, you talk about the things like he did for you and he would do for us. But I I'm 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 gonna give you a story, man, that, that really like it just showed you the type of person he was. We were playing we were playing in Phoenix. In the playoffs for the playoffs we go to um uh what's the steakhouse um, uh the steakhouse in phoenix uh, uh, it's the best best steakhouse in phoenix mm-hmm.
1: uh, oh gosh i'm not from oh is it uh mancuso's no. Uh, I just looked it up, mm-hmm. but um
2: in Scott well I, most people probably call it my Ma- in Scottsdale. Probably had to put Scottsdale. Oh Maestros? Uh Maestros. Oh, okay. Maestro's. Yeah. So we, we go to Maestros to have dinner. We have a team dinner. So we in Maestros a team dinner. So um <clears throat> I walk into Maestros. Well I walk in. I see. Somebody that I'm familiar, familiar with, I'm looking, I'm like, that looks like my fraternity brother <laughs> mm-hmm. from North Carolina. And so I'm looking, and it actually is him. Uh huh. And so I'm like, Rick, you know, what are you doing out here? And he was like, man, I'm out here visiting some friends. We came out here to have dinner. So, so, so. I'm like, wow. And so, you know, so I, I ended up going on, we had a team dinner, and we finished it, and he was still having dinner. And so when we finished having dinner, Mr. Buss had come in and got him a table, and he was sitting down. And so I was sitting at the table with Rick and his friends, and we were talking and having a conversation and so on and so forth. And and so Mr. Buss was like, he walked by, said, Shemar, what are you doing? Because, you know, the guy that left and I was standing around. He said, Shemar, what are you doing? I was like, I said, well, you know, I'm sitting here with one of my fraternity brothers. He's, you know, he's having dinner with his friends and so on and so forth. So I introduced him to Mr. Bus, mm-hmm. and uh, and they, you know, they begin to, you know, introduce each other, and they begin to talk and and so on and so forth, man. And
0: next thing you know,
2: man, probably two hours later, like Rick and Mr. Bus are sitting beside each other, having dinner, having a great conversation, mm-hmm. talking about just just life, you know. And it was, you know, for me, it's like. Wow, you know, like mhm, this gentleman was having his own you know he had his own party at the time, and you know he met an individual right here, they ended up having a conversation together or you know sharing some things that they liked that's kind of same, and here it is now, you know he's you know he's offered himself and his table you know to this individual that he just met, mhm, you know what I mean he was just
1: that's that's and, really nice.
2: Oh man, and, and it just—I I promise you—and like, like the next, you know, the next few days, you know, we were there. You know, Mr. Bus when he see me, he'd be like, you know, Shimon, you talked to Rick today, and how's Rick? And uh, yeah. you know, and, you know, just, you know, man, and and I just always thought about that, man. I said, man, that just—that just lets you know, you know, the type of person he was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like to to be able to go out and have a conversation. You know, sometimes people say with regular people you know mm-hmm. you you have to you have to feel a certain way about yourself that you feel like you're regular as well yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so you know for him to you know to you know just meet a guy and to open himself up to him and have a great conversation in that environment man it just it just always stood out to me and uh, mm-hmm. even when Rick and I see each other now like we might see each other you know at uh, a you know at, you know, out of school event or something like that, we always reminisce about you know, Mr. Bus. You know, like man, Mr. Bus was so cool, man. You know, just mm-hmm. you would have never thought that Mr. Bus was Mr. Bus. You know, he just yeah, you know, the way neat. he carried himself, man. So you know that, you know that that right there kind of like it really, you know, really said a lot about you know what he built and what he stood for and. Um, you know, he's just, uh, you know, outstanding man, he's outstanding man. So
1: cool. Well, thank you very much, Shimon. Um, I oh, getting man. to hear that Dr. Best story and, uh, you going into different stops, of your career, your time in LA, uh, since I started this podcast about a year ago, like I have a, you know, an Instagram that's associated with the podcast and people send me messages all the time. Like, Oh, you got to get Shemonda on. You got to get Shemonda on. So you're still popular with <laughs> Laker fans. <laughs>
2: Well, I appreciate them, man. They, they, you know, they really embraced me, man. I really enjoyed them. I mean, I really did, man. I, I was, I was hoping one day that I could have an opportunity to coach them, man, because I just, you know, I just, I really enjoyed the franchise. You know, I really enjoyed the franchise, and uh, you know, maybe God forbid in the future.
0: Yeah, you know, Luke,
2: you know, Luke, you know, Luke has an opportunity here. you search me out. I can come back and teach those young guys, because. I do love teaching the game, so. Mm
1: -hmm. Cool. I hope that works out for you, and um, best of luck with everything else you got going on. Thank you again, Shimon. I I appreciate it.
2: it. I appreciate you for having me.